0: Welcome everybody to the Taylor Johnson podcast. I'm Taylor Johnson, and this is my podcast. Hello. Welcome. This is it. Look, let's just jump right into it. I'm super stressed out right now. I'm kind of freaking out. Need to talk to somebody about it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm going to call Glendon right now.
1: Hello? I am in so much trouble. Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> oh man, I am in so much trouble. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Oh no. Why why did you call me? I don't know. Well, okay. Well, obviously, um, I realized in the podcast, I have not made it clear. You are my booking coordinator. You help me with bookings, um, with the events and services that I do for churches and conferences and everything. Um, and so we talk, uh, pretty regularly about me traveling and, and where I'm going and what I'm doing because you help me out with that stuff.
1: Yeah. Did I screw up?
0: No, no, I am the one who's screwing up, and this has to do what we've been talking about every episode so far in the podcast, these stupid shirts. Oh. These dumb shirts with my dumb, ugly picture on them uh, that I ordered 200 because I thought it would be really funny. I've never ordered that many shirts before, and um, by the time people hear this episode, the day this episode comes out... That weekend, I'm going to be in Alabama for a youth convention. I'm going to be in front of like 2,000 students. And then I will be, the morning this episode comes out, I will be in Minnesota at a church on a Sunday morning doing stand-up and then ending with a message. And so I thought, oh man, yeah, I got to have these shirts. I got to take them with me. And I got to have my book. I got to bring a bunch of my books with me because I'm going to be in front of a ton of people. And this is going to be a great opportunity to get the word out
1: But now that I'm packing, I'm realizing, hey, it's hard to fit so many shirts in a suitcase. Yeah, you only have like 180 to fit in there. Is that right? Yeah, I have 180 left. I've sold 20. But like,
0: hey, t-shirts take up a lot of space. And hey, books are
1: really heavy. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you got to get rid of these shirts, too. So I think this is your, <laughs> this is your biggest opportunity. I, I think the church you're going to in Minnesota is great. You've spoken to their youth before. They offered, like, hey, do you want to, like, mail books ahead of time?
0: Oh, and I was how like, smart oh, I don't is that? know. I know. They're genius. They're so
1: well. Like, everything that they've done is so well thought out. And, yeah, like, here great. I am, some fool. I'm a fool. <laughs> Hey, if only your booking coordinator would have helped out with these shirts. Because I would have told you, (laughs) (laughs) don't do it right
0: from the start. I was at a church last night, and I did comedy. I did the bit with the pictures that would like, the ugly picture of me that I've now put on a t-shirt, and I even mentioned to them I made a shirt of this and a bunch of kids got so excited because they were like, I would buy one. I would buy one. And then I was like, well, I don't have them. I don't have them here with me. And then I realized if an entire youth group is wearing this shirt, it's going to people are going to think that I'm sick. People are going to think it's like a charity thing. Like this guy is
1: dying and we have to support him. You're not dying, but it is charity. (laughs) Dang it. So does it cost money to check a bag? Like, if you just, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm checking this. Oh, yeah, and if yeah. it's over 50 pounds, you have to pay. I know. That's why I'm trying to keep everything to just, like, 50 and under. I mean, by the time this
0: episode comes out, I will, I mean, by tonight, I'm, we're recording this on Thursday, I leave at, like, five, I have to go to the airport at 5.45 in the morning. Gosh, that's so, early. Who booked your flight? I did. Wow. Part of me is afraid, like, if I go to the airport and my, one of my bags is over 50 pounds, I'm just going to start taking stuff out of it until it's 50. So I'm just going to start handing random strangers, like, here, read my book. Here, read my book. Let me get a few <laughs> out of here so that it weighs less.
1: Maybe I could just wear all the, like, 2X and 3X shirts oh, on my body. Oh, there you go. No, there's an idea. Now you're thinking. And just ask everyone on before they get on the plane, could you hold my book? Have everybody hold your book. And say just <laughs> take this, put it in the front pocket in front of you, and then um, as you're exiting the plane, I will take all the books back up and then yeah. like there you go. That's perfect. That's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. <sighs> okay. All right. Genius. This helped. This helped. Did I did I help? I don't know if I did. I think you did. Okay. All right. You can do this, man. Thank you. All right. I'll, I'll let you know how uh, this weekend goes. All right, man. Let me, let me know. Give me a call. All right. I love you. I can't hear you. <laughs> 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 you didn't hear what I just said? No, I did not. It goes dead sometimes, like after I talk. And if you're talking at the same time, it goes dead. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say it again. You'll just have to hear the podcast to hear what I
0: said. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, all right. I'll talk to you later. All right, man.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: This week on the podcast, I am talking to my friend, Wade Bearden. Wade and I sat down for a conversation about films. We talk about movies in this one. Wade is the co-host of the podcast, Seeing and Believing, which is a film criticism podcast from a Christian perspective. I wanted to talk to him specifically about how films can help us grow in our empathy. Uh, Now, this conversation was recorded a while ago. I'm pretty sure this was probably around a year and a half before I even knew what this podcast was going to be. I knew I wanted to start one. I knew I was going to have some interviews. And so Wade was kind enough to sit down with me before I had any other ideas. And I have literally just like sat with this recording for such a long time, not knowing what to do with it. And now that the podcast is here, I can finally share this. Now, because I was so new to this, um, I want to apologize for how this conversation went because it is entirely my fault. It is entirely my fault that we talk about the movie E.T. for so long. That's on me. So if you haven't seen E.T. ever in your entire life, maybe now is a good time to go check that movie out. Maybe pause this Go watch E.T. so that you can (laughs) enjoy a conversation that was supposed to be in general about films, but I took to be about E.T. for way too long. If you have seen E.T., but it's been a while, let's all just take a moment and close our eyes, unless you're driving, and try to remember as much as we can about the movie E.T. Who who are the characters? What is happening? Get that in your brain, because you're going to need it. At the time of this recording, I had just rewatched E.T. like two days earlier. So it was super fresh when I brought it up in conversation. Uh, We also talk about the 2017 movie, Get Out. And I'll just admit, I'll recognize the fact that we're just, we're two white guys talking about our experience watching Get Out, which we don't do it for very long. Uh, And it's, again, my fault, I brought it up. But again, there are lessons to be learned for us, white people from that, that movie. I feel so weird doing this introduction. It's a great conversation, films, and empathy, and seeing inside someone else's story. Uh, This is me and Wade Bearden, so please enjoy. So your podcast, Seeing and Believing, it's not just like a straightforward movie review podcast. Like it was good. It was bad. Here's what I liked about it. Here's what I didn't like about it. The thing that about your podcast that I think is so great is that you guys get pretty deep into what a movie is trying to say mm-hmm. and not just like it's not a very it's not shallow reviews. Like it it's it's pretty deep into what what it's looking at. Right? Like was that kind yeah. of like a
2: one of the things that you guys set out to do was from the beginning. You knew you wanted to do that. Yes. Though sometimes it's hard because you, you get a really bad movie and it's like, uh, I don't really know what to say about it. Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So the thing for us is, uh, with a lot of, cr- I guess you could say film criticism in the Christian world, it's kind of been, well, how many curse words does it have? Yeah, and Does yeah. it have this scene in that scene? And it's kind of been taken a little bit further. I feel like by the time we got into it and started our our review, uh, our Seeing and Believing podcast, and it it's more, okay, what are the ideas there? And so for us, what we wanted to do was to, re- to look at it from a technical standpoint, of course, so to really dig deep in these images, the visual imagery, what the film is trying to do, the plot, is that good or bad? But also... What is this film trying to say? And it goes past like worldview studies of just like, what does this picture say about our world? Yeah. And does this agree or disagree with our worldview? But what does it say about human longing? What does it say about uh, the supernatural, our desire for the supernatural? What is a film that's even probably opposed to Christianity what does it take for granted about the world? what does it say that's true and beautiful about the world And so that's kind of what we've attempted to do and it's like I said it's more than just right counting curse words but also at the same time it's more than just saying hey this film was really good or bad yeah but I think we as a culture have gotten into this rut of like movies are just just entertainment. Like We watch so much TV, and most of what we watch is just like, oh, was it entertaining? Mm -hmm. And our idea is, okay, I don't think it's wrong to watch TV. We probably need to watch it less as a society. But if we're going to be watching this art form, why not treat it like it is and dig deeper into what it's trying to say? And if you do that then even something like the transformer films have much to talk about because they certainly have this vision of the good life of what we should have in life, which I obviously don't agree with, but that's, that's kind of our, our perspective on criticism in general.
0: What's great about storytelling and specifically in films is that a lot of times you get to live inside a point of view that you would not normally ever encounter in your life. And you get to see stories uh, from inside somebody that you you might not ever have experience with, um, yeah. like the the oldest saying of like walk a mile in somebody's shoe. Yeah, like that's that's what a lot of movies get to be, and like whether it is an artist that you get to live inside their experience or. The, the point of view of someone that the artist chooses as important and worth showing to you yeah. that you
2: get to like see the world from their point of view. Yeah. Well, film critic Roger Ebert, he he said in a speech once, and he's probably said it in other places, but movies are empathy machines. And they uh, they allow yeah. us to just really live in someone else's life. And I think I'm at the point where... I like all different kinds of movies. I like you know silly blockbusters, not all of them but some of them. Um, I like you know just different types of movies. I really am at the place where I try to convince people to see more movies or movies that they're not necessarily com- I don't know if you say comfortable but they wouldn't normally see. Yeah. Because we can kind of get stuck in this rut and instead Movies are simply entertainment, and they're not instructional pieces of art, or pieces of art that help us to see the world. Uh, let me give you an example. So I was listening to the, I believe it's called The Last Picture Show, or The Next Picture Show, and it's a film podcast, and it's really awesome. What they do is they they have every like two weeks they have a two-part episode, and one is uh, a new film that just released, and another is talking about an old film that released in the past that's kind of like it. Okay. So they compare two movies. And they were talking about the Iranian director Abbas Kiristami. And one of the hosts said, uh, so he's in Iran, and and some of his pictures, just kind of, one of his pictures, A Taste of Cherry, it's really good, it's really slow though. And uh, it's just a guy driving around uh, Tehran, the capital. And uh, I really like the film, a lot of people won't, but this host was saying, he said, you know, I don't want to get too political, but it's really hard to be flippant about, flippant about bombing Iran when you've been in that world and you've driven around in the streets. Yeah. And I think for me, as I've watched, um, more Iranian films, but also films from all over around the world, it brings this unique perspective and people, you know, when people say, Oh, we just got to do this or do that. We got to attack them or whatever. Uh, I pause because I feel like I've actually seen people there. And movies are fabrications, unless they're documentaries, but there's a lot of truth to movies. And so I think it's so important to watch films from other perspectives because it allows you to see the world through the, those lenses. Yeah. And, but most of the time, though, we don't. And a lot of the main characters in blockbusters, they kind of look the same and uh, especially for like white America. And so we we it's okay to eat junk food and chocolate, but I think we need to kind of expand our horizons, which involves us being more patient in how we watch films and, and maybe getting outside our comfort zone.
0: And I think a, a great example of putting yourself in somebody's shoes that was like a huge hit was Get Out. For, like yeah. you said, like most white America, <laughs> living yeah. inside this guy's experience of yeah. being the only black person at a gathering of the the just, I don't know, the whitest white people yeah, yeah, yeah. and the type of little comments that get said to you that if if we were hanging out in real life that you might not notice, but because you're seeing it through his perspective, like, oh my goodness, like the embarrassment that you feel of like yeah. the weird things that they're saying to him or even especially at the end of the film. He does such a good job Jordan Peele does such a good job putting you this in this experience that at the end of the film when he is in the road and you see a cop car pull up, yeah. your first thought is not, oh, thank God, he's saved. <laughs> your first thought is, oh, no. And so many people who would never think that or never yeah. feel that yeah. because he has put you in the experience of this is how a lot of black people see you know, this has been a lot of people's experience yeah. that when they see a cop car, they're not excited that they're like, oh, no, this means trouble. Yeah. And he's 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 given you that feeling that they feel. Yeah. And yeah, he it does such a good job of like putting you in it's that. It's such a good ending.
2: I remember I was telling somebody, I was like, that's one of the few times when you're watching a movie and you're you're scared that the police yeah. are showing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I think, yeah, films do that and they provide that. I mean, that's a great example of like, we would never think for that to happen and for us to feel that way. But in that movie we do, we do. And for a brief moment, we can kind of see the perspective of someone else. Yeah. And that's like the, really the power of movies. Uh,
0: another great example of the empathy machine and it, cause it's a movie about empathy is E.T., Yeah, which is a movie that I was terrified of as a kid Yeah, because it like the first 20 minutes of that movie is shot like a horror film to me. It is. Oh yeah. Because you do not see things close up. Like you just kind of in the opening shot, you see like ET and his little ET friends outside of their spaceship in the forest kind of rummaging around, but everything is like, you don't get a good shot at them. Yeah. They're kind of like far away. And then the way that ET screams to me as a terrifying noise, uh, and then it, when Elliot first sees him, the little boy, yeah, it's just like In that shed, yeah, in the shed. And Spielberg loves haze, right? Yeah, Hayes and it's like lit, lit really scary, and you just see a silhouette, and he kind of like stumbles forward. And yeah. to me, it was the scariest thing in the world. And then when i was in high school i was like i'm gonna try to watch it again because i was terrified of it as a kid and i was getting through most of it and i had to watch it i was like a junior in high school and i was like on three o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) when it is still light out i will watch et yeah but then when it got to the point where he is lying on the floor of the bathroom and he's like pale white oh yeah i was like nope i can't i can't do it anymore that's too scary looking for me oh yeah but now the short period of time where I was a youth pastor, we, we wanted to do like a Halloween a Halloween movie night. And yeah. I was like, let's watch ET. Cause to me, that is the scariest movie. Yeah. And we watched it and I was finally old enough to like, I'm not scared of this anymore. And I realized how great of a movie it is. Yeah. And it's a movie about a little boy who doesn't have any empathy. Um, the first part of the movie, he's a pretty selfish kid you you see him at the dinner table with his mom, with his older brother and his sister. And they're having a conversation where you're learning that the father is out of the picture because he is off in Mexico with some girl that he must have left the wife for. Yeah. And Elliot is making comments that are hurting his mom. And she kind of like leaves the table to hide the fact that she's getting emotional and crying And his brother, I can't remember the exact quote, but the brother says like, why can't you think of how other people feel for a second? Yeah. And that becomes what his relationship with the ET is, is he has this bond with ET where he feels what ET feels when Elliot's off at school and ET is at home Uh, and and he like rummages through the refrigerator and drinks a beer. Elliot in the classroom starts to like act (laughs) drunk (laughs) Or you know, uh, watching TV, ET like sees a guy and a girl kiss, and that makes like Elliot want to kiss the girl, and he like learns to feel what someone
2: else feels through his connection with ET. Yeah. Well, I I've told people it's that's not a movie about an alien. It's a movie about a family that's been abandoned. Yeah. It really is about divorce, and it's fascinating that the father. Is never seen in the movie, mm-hmm. and I love that because he's not in their life. And what you see in that film is it's not that that uh, Elliot is 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 he's not empathetic. He's that, but it's he's not felt empathy from other people. Hmm. And I think that's what happens, like in tragedy or when we feel abandoned, we become isolated, and so each family member. Has become isolated in that family. Yeah. And when we are not experiencing empathy from other people, it's harder for us to express that empathy. Yeah. And so. You, the scene at the the start where uh, Elliot and his friends, or Elliot his brother's friends, they're there and they're you know calling them names and you know do this and do that. Uh, and then the mom, she runs off from the dinner table in that one scene and she feels completely disconnected. Yeah. There's one scene of her like getting ready to go out for Halloween and mm-hmm. it's such a sad scene because she feels alone. And what I what I like too about the end of that movie is there's the great bike chase scene and the friends come back that are at the beginning and the brother's there and he's helping his brother and the friends are helping the brother and you get the sense that like there there hasn't been a huge moment where the like their relationship has been repaired. And you you get the sense that they they do care for each other and they're do they are there. They just forgot about it. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to empathy, it's not that, oh, I don't love you. Um, oh, of course I love you. But our lack of empathy has has separated us. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I really love E.T. And like you said, what better way to talk about empathy or to show that a child needs empathy than to have this like magical creature come?
0: Another great moment in E.T., is uh, at the beginning of the film, or throughout most of the film, you you don't see adults' faces. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, you see a, a, a man's t- tight jeans, keys, right? Yeah, That's yeah, his yeah, yeah, keys. He's got yeah, he's got the keys on his belt, and that is his identifying factor. You don't you, you don't see him like from the waist up ever, uh, but you know that he is trying to hunt down ET. And at the beginning, these faceless government men are treated almost like a villain like every once in a while yeah. you check in on them that like oh these are bad guys these guys are trying they're to very stop ominous and and then the the scene that i feel like might have scared me the most as a kid was when they're in the house and astronauts just start busting through oh, every that's such door a twist it, it's so crazy the scariest thing and but all those men you don't see anyone's face and then the doctors, when they're like trying to you know check on ET, all their faces are covered. But then a moment comes when you see Keys, Keys, Mr. Keys, that you you, yeah. you see his face for the first time. Yeah. and he comes over to Elliot and he says that I have wanted to meet an alien since I was a little boy, mm-hmm. and I have wished for this moment to happen. And I don't want to hurt ET. I want to help him. Mm-hmm. Please tell me what can we do for him that we aren't already doing? Yeah. And it's the first time that you hear his story. And up until this moment, when you don't see his face, when you don't know him, it's just this one dimensional villain that you feel his, his one goal is to hurt E.T. Mm. But the moment you see him as a human being who has thoughts, feelings, a past you you can kind of... He's no longer just this one-dimensional villain anymore. Yeah. And then when E.T. kind of dies on the table, Spielberg focuses on each doctor as they take their mask off. Oh, it's great. And you see that, oh, these aren't just, like, f- bad guys. Yeah. That these are people, too, and they were genuinely trying to help E.T., but they didn't know how. Yeah. And... And that I feel like that is a great illustration of, of empathy of these kind of like nameless people that we don't think of as like real almost that when you put a face on someone, when you put a name, when you put a story on someone, it really changes the
2: way that you look at them. And you realize like after that, Oh, Oh, like if I were in the government and there were an alien coming down to the United States to California, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. But I think that's true. And, and I think that's kind of where we're at in, in like our opponents where they're like religious or political, like how do we speak to them and like also have our own strong convictions because I, I mean, that's so important. We, we want to, we want to hold fast to our, our ideals, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. And I think the the biggest thing that has helped me and Alan Jacobs talked about this in his book, how to think is that most of the people in our country, they generally all want the same thing. We don't, most people don't want poor people to be poor. They don't want, um, people to be, uh, sh- to struggle children, to struggle to eat. Um, we want our country to be protected. We generally don't want to send people off to war and we just all have different ways of, of going about those goals. Mm -hmm. And if we can understand that, I think we can disagree with each other, but do it in a way that is empathetic. And that will actually change people's mind. I, I'm working on a book, and in it, I talk about a tweet from Stephen King, and he tweeted on July 4th. And it was something like, you know, today, just like, hug your opponent. Like, if you're a Republican, hug a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, hug a uh, Republican. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's cool. Okay. And But a lot of people were like, this is terrible advice, this man's privileged, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if I can't hug someone of the opposite political persuasion or maybe even religious persuasion or somebody within Christianity that I have deep disagreements with. If I can't hug them, how am I going to to attempt to understand them but also to change their mind? And so instead of this connection of this friendship with people of the opposite party and, and when they get to know us, maybe they change their perspective a bit and maybe they change their beliefs a bit and maybe we change our beliefs a bit, That. Can't happen if we don't have that empathy, you know, if we can't even hug each other. Yeah. And so I think all of this, when it goes back to like personal empathy, but also talking to other people, just sitting with these individuals and, and sharing your story with them and letting them share their story with you. Yeah. And seeking to really understand what it's like to live every day in their shoes. That's so important. And in online a couple times when i've really been like wanting to go after somebody i've thought to myself okay let me just imagine okay what is it like to get up in their house to go to their job to uh meet with their family members what is it like and that's changed my perspective so much
0: All right. And now, ladies and gentlemen, making her triumphant return to the podcast, I sat down with Danny Barrera to get another incredible story from her. So please put your hands together wherever you are, especially if you're driving, especially if you're driving and you're by yourself. Give a round of applause because here's another great story from Danny Barrera. Danny, hi, how are you? I'm here with my friend, Danny.
3: Hi there, it's me. <laughs>
0: um, you told a story on stage for my book release party for In the Altogether. I thought it was a very funny story of an embarrassing thing that happened to you while you were on stage. Do you remember this story?
3: I very much remember this story.
0: And how old were you when this thing happened?
3: I was about 16 years old.
0: Okay. What was going on? What was going on when you were 16?
3: Man, lots of was going on when I was 16. Went through a huge Avril Lavigne phase. Great. Now, wait, how much older
0: are you than me?
3: I think I'm only like six months older than you. Really? Yeah. Because I
0: remember Avril Lavigne being like junior high.
3: End of junior high, beginning of high school. I still went on. Okay. okay. She She was really popular when I think I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. And then I followed her ever So since you were then. more
0: committed than just complicated
3: oh, most uh, definitely. skater boy. Most definitely. Even through um, her phase of like, um, what's that song? Hey, hey, yeah. you, you. I, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I have loved Avril Lavigne since the. I beginning. don't like your
0: boy. I don't like your girlfriend. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes, that one. So, anyways, I
0: I still remember the music video for yes, that one. Yes, I have. The, I have
3: the music video you on you my phone. Oh,
0: I have it. <laughs> really?
3: <laughs> yes, I watch it often because I love Avril Lavigne still to this day. Avril, I love you. Who still has videos saved
0: on their phone?
3: Me. Is she
0: a Christian now?
3: I don't know. She, she has a
0: new song because she like had like oh, health that's issues. Right. Yes.
3: She, she actually contracted Lyme disease.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She it was like a huge n- thing. A new song. But also is she still with Nickelback guy?
3: I believe they are. No,
0: come on. Are they? I don't know. I, I don't I, want them to be together. She was my biggest crush. And like, there's still a part of me that's like, man, if there was ever a chance <laughs> where I could meet Avril Lavigne. I don't even know, like, you know, there are some celebrities where you look at them and you're like, I feel like we'd get along. Yeah. I feel like we would be friends. Yeah. I don't know if that would happen with me and Avril Lavigne. I don't even want to think about the possibility that we would not get along because <laughs> I want her to be in love with me. Still, even after the face, yeah. do you remember like she did like the weird like Japanese, she did yes. that Hello Kitty song. Yes. Hey, Avril, uh, like, I love you, but like, I'm not really a big fan of that song. I'm okay. sorry. But even through that, Avril, please come home. (laughs) I remember finding out that she lived in Canada and being like, dang, how do you get like a passport? And I (laughs) I was in junior high, but I was ready.
3: (sighs) Yeah. Avril, she was just, she's everything that I wanted to be. She's everything that I'm not. Wow. Yeah. She was just, I don't know. She just seemed like she was really cool down to earth. And I loved her music, just so full of angst and. Um, emotion, like there's just a lot. There's so it, it was more than just a pop song or alternative song, you know.
0: And you uh, would dress like her.
3: Oh yes, most definitely. Think of the album cover for um, Complicated, of course. And that it is
0: never far from my thoughts.
3: It, that that's what I aimed for. That's what I strive to okay. be. Okay. Okay. And I went through this huge phase, and we had an event at church, and we were told that we needed to dress up, and of course. I'm going to incorporate Avril into my dressing up. Right, yeah. So I had to I had to pretend to be a businesswoman. Why can't Avril be a, a wait, businesswoman? Wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Why <laughs> wait, wait, you're jumping so fast. Wait, why do you have to be a... What is this event? Okay. Why do you have to be a businesswoman?
3: First you of all... You were saying
0: it like obvious. Like, we had an event at church. I had to be like a businesswoman, okay. so I have to Sorry, be a Avril let, let,
3: let, let me give our listeners some background, okay? Okay. Um, we had an event at church. The event was Jesse Duplantis. Yes, the man, <laughs> Jesse Duplantis, he is an event, okay? Especially okay. for the evangelical world.
0: And, and you, like, that's the... Because I feel like having him come to your church speaks to what type of church you are yes. right it's like a very conservative yes. very like old school Yes, like Jesse Duplantis is is a televangelist big on TBN mm-hmm. um and and he he would come to your church like often right
3: often like every year it would be a yearly thing every april
0: and it was like a big deal right yes
3: everyone for miles around would come and we had a facility, you know, like a gymnasium that was pretty large, bigger than your average gym. Like it had a stage and then we had bleachers and then like where the court was, that's where we would just fill in chairs. Like there was not a place to stand. Like it would be that. It, oh, okay. Okay. So um, Jesse Duplantis is coming, they wanna make an event out of it. And so we, that year for Fine Arts, we did a little, you know, what, what did they call them? Not music videos. But a human video. Human video, that's okay. right.
0: Okay, I feel like uh, there will be people outside of the Assemblies of God who listen to this podcast. And so uh, to give some background for this, um, I hate having to explain human yeah. videos to people. It's very embarrassing. <laughs>
1: I did not even
0: like doing them while I did them. So like, as I tell you this, don't think like, Taylor, you used to love doing them. No, I did not. Although I have seen like two or three that have made me cry.
3: Yeah. They weren't weren't my favorite either. I did them because our fine arts coordinator made me.
0: So fine arts, for those of you who don't know, is like a talent competition that they don't want to, that they pretend is not an actual competition, but it for real is a competition. For youth, age, junior high and high school um, to work on your talents and your giftings and how you would use them for ministry. And so there are categories where you can compete in singing and playing instruments in uh, preparing and giving a short sermon. And then there's also human videos, which is basically a mime presentation to a song So you're a group of people are doing somewhat interpretive dance, somewhat mime, Somewhat just like drama, but there are no words. All of the words are just the song. It's basically live TikTok.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: You're miming, you're um, mouthing the words to the song, their emotions, and you're telling the story of Jesus and there's probably a demon and there's probably going to be someone holding up a gun at some point, right? Yeah. Like that's a human video. Or they're
3: fake drinking, fake doing drugs. And
0: they're so weird. Yeah. They're very yeah. strange.
3: It's odd. So you guys...
0: Had done human videos. We
3: did. And we, our fine arts coordinator wanted us to practice one more time. So we were going to practice for Jesse Duplantis. Because back then, fine arts would fall like for district in like the end of April, beginning of May.
0: Okay. So like one last go round before you take it to compete.
3: Yes. And
0: you're going to, your last big showing before going to competition is going to be in front of the Jesse Jesse
3: Duplantis. Duplantis. Because if you can perform in front of Jesse Duplantis, you can perform in front of the three judges that are going to be judging you. That's right. Exactly. He's
0: yeah. He's a bigger deal than them.
3: Exactly. So we had our fine arts coordinator put all this together. We had a gigantic cross that we were going to be jumping off of to the song. (laughs) I'm diving in. I'm going deep in over my head. I want to (laughs) be. You remember that song?
0: Yes, I remember this song. And you, so, okay, I guess it makes sense within the drama, within the human video, That a bunch of people are, are jumping off of a cross, a yes. giant cross,
3: a gigantic cross. So like we weren't going to use that at fine arts, obviously, right. but we wanted to add make a it little special. Oomph, you know what I mean? Make it special for Jesse. Something to make the eyes look and <laughs> what, what's better than a 15 foot cross.
0: What does that symbolize? A bunch of people jumping off a cross.
3: Um that you're
0: like that through like, Christ on the cross no, you're like able to No, like we're
3: diving into our relationship with Christ. We're going and deep. And it's through into that.
0: the cross. It's through the cross that, you that can we get can get to that. There. Wow. Yes. Okay. Wow. So Powerful there. Jesse Duplantis.
3: Yes, thank you Jesse. <laughs> um so here I am, 16-year-old Danny thinking, you know, cuz my role was a businesswoman. Of and course. so Naturally, I'm going to incorporate Avril because I incorporate her into everything. Okay? So, I'm thinking, what would a businesswoman look like? How does Avril dress? She puts on a pair of black dickies. She's got a white button-up collared shirt, like a dress Short shirt. Short sleeve. or y- Long sleeve. Oh, okay. Rolled halfway up quarter
1: wow. sleeve. Wow.
3: With a tie on. Okay. With a leather studded belt. Business. And, and a pair of Etnies. Business. Just, just your business. Just Hello, bi- Wall Street. <laughs> I'm
0: here to join.
3: Just your business cash on a Sunday afternoon, you know? So I'm wearing this outfit, and it's my turn to crawl up the cross to about to jump off. Okay, so
0: this is during the actual performance. During
3: the actual performance. Jesse
0: is there.
3: He's on stage. Oh, because this
0: is back when...
3: Whenever you sat on stage. So like back in the day, the pastor's, the senior pastor, his wife, the associate pastor. The pastor's wife? Yes. And sometimes the youth pastor, and then of course your guest speaker. So we had about six people sitting on stage. Three on stage left, three on stage right. Mm. Okay, Jesse. Jesse Duplantis, he was on stage left, which is where the cross was. Okay. Okay. So right
0: in front of the cross, there's Jesse. Yeah. The, the place is packed.
3: Well, actually, the cross was in front of Jesse. Okay. So he's behind. So he's getting he's getting to see everything behind the scenes. Okay. So, you know, we have this gigantic cross. Behind the cross is this very large black curtain. Behind the black curtain is a very, very large pad for us to be able to jump safely onto. Gotcha.
0: For your okay. stunt show spectacular. Yes. There are safety measures being put in place.
3: Exactly. So it's my turn to crawl up the ladder to get onto the cross to drop off. Okay, right. I'm nervous because I have a minor fear of heights, but I couldn't let that stop me because I looked like Avril Lavigne. I looked great. I had a, a legal pad and a pen and I am. Just, <laughs> that's
0: what business women wear. Yes. Uh, have.
3: Th- we, we have those kinds of things. I mean, yes. So I'm crawling up. The ladder, and I finally get to the top and I jump off. As I jump off, I land fine and I come off the stage and I'm thinking everything's great. I just did a great performance. Yeah. Okay. Years later, I find out. Oh, years later. I didn't know this till probably college. Oh, no. I found out that as I'm going up the ladder, my butt crack. Is just hanging wide out. And I'm not talking, you know, just a little bitty butt crack, plumbers crack. No, 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 no. My pants apparently were halfway down my butt, and Jesse Duplantis got a full show that day. He got to see Danny B's butt crack.
0: And so, just like right in his face.
3: Right. Like I'm pro, I would say probably at least five. Five to 10 feet, maybe 10 feet max away from my butt crack. But my butt crack was at his eye level.
0: (laughs) Unavoidable.
3: Unavoidable. There's no way.
0: And is he seen by the, can the audience see, can anyone else see your butt crack?
3: The people that were doing the show with me could see and then part of the audience, not all the audience, but part of the audience. So I would say there was roughly a good 150 people that saw my butt crack that day along with Jesse Duplantis, my senior pastor, my senior pastor's wife, my youth pastor, and the worship leaders.
0: Now, here's a... I've always been fascinated. That's not the right word. I don't want to use that word for what I'm about to describe. How... Like, I... I don't think I ever show off my butt crack. Yeah. Because there's too much to show. Yeah. But... That was weird. I don't like that. I said that (laughs) I I might edit that out, but okay. So I've seen people. um, How do you not feel that? How do you not feel your your, your booty booty senses tingling saying "Mm, something's out that shouldn't be out?
3: Anybody who knew me in high school knows that...
0: You had a desensitized butt.
3: That my butt crack was always showing because I just couldn't tell for some reason.
0: See, and I know other people like, oh, I did an event a little while ago. I'm going to be as vague as possible. And there was a man who I think his butt crack started at his shoulder blades because (laughs) it was really high up and it was halfway out, um, while we were getting something set up, I'm going to be as vague as possible. Um, and I was just like, Hey man, it's, it's, it's all the way out there. How do you not, if I blow on it, will you feel it? (laughs) (laughs) Will you know that it's out?
3: Yeah, well, you know that was also the year where fashion is like you wore your pants lower, mm-hmm. like it was everything was lower So you're rise. kind of
0: used to having it be yes. So yeah.
3: usually the top is showing. Peaking. Yeah, just, just hello, a little, just a little peek say hello.
0: What's funny is um, I remember when Avril Lavigne first like became a big deal. That was something that people talked about with her because of the pants that she wore that, like, on MTV, like, oh, her butt crack showed. So, like, you were more Avril Lavigne that day than probably any day ever.
3: I had to stay true to Avril, okay? So, I I wore them where I wore them because that's what she did. Okay. And anybody who knew me in high school knows that I always had an issue with my pants staying up, okay? So, like, I don't have much of a butt. I have some butt, but I don't got a lot back there. You know, baby don't got much back. So I always had an issue with my pants falling down. I was constantly pulling them up, always wear a belt. And um, so, I mean, it was just kind of known, oh, there goes Danny's butt crack, you know. Mm. But I didn't know that Jetsy Duplantis could see it. And I certainly didn't know that about 120, 130 other people in the audience could see my B-crack, so... Yeah, it was, it was very, it was more embarrassing later because nobody said anything to me. Like common courtesy is if your best friend is B crack is showing, you say, girl, you need to pull up your pants. Everybody can see your booty. So, but nobody said anything to me. Uh All my friends are fake. You're all fake. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't find out till later. I was like, you know. In college. And Who told you? How'd you find out? It was one of my friends. It was actually the pastor's daughter. She had mentioned it. Like, I had seen her years later. And she was like, oh my gosh, you remember that one time we, at Jesse Duplantis and your butt crack was showing? What? <gasps> oh no. no. That's the worst way to I find out. What are you talking about? You remember? We jumped off the cross. You were wearing the Dickies pants. I was like, I don't remember my butt crack showing. Nobody ever said anything to me. Oh, well, Jesse Duplantis got a full view of your butt crack, girl. Oh. My God, I have to write a letter to Jesse Planet's <laughs> Ministries. I have to and donate. Apologize.
0: Donate for his fourth jet.
3: And not only that, I mean, my dad was the one that would pick him up from the airport and take him to the airport. So, you know, my dad was like, Did you see my daughter in the <laughs> in this <laughs> program? And he's like, Which one was she? Oh, she was the one that wore the tie. Oh, yeah, she did a great job. You know, just uh, so nice. Yeah. Didn't say anything like oh, you should probably tell your daughter to tighten her pants, right. you know? Put some or, suspenders on that or girl. Or wear pants that actually fit her, you mm-hmm. know? Because, I mean, the fashion then was, you know. The fashion. Avril, she wore, you know. This is all Avril's fault. pants. And when
0: we get married, I'll bring this <laughs> up to her. Oh, Avril.
3: So, yeah. That, it was a wild time. The year was 2004 or 5, I think. Wow. So, yeah, it was. It's a crazy time.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for sharing that story.
3: You're very welcome. I'm sorry to anyone who had to see my bee crack.
0: Apologies, apologies to Jesse (laughs) Duplantis, Avril. If you're listening, (laughs) please reach out. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, Danny. Bye. Well, here we are at the end of the show. Thank you to Wade Bearden for being on and talking to me about films. If you want to check out his podcast, it's called Seeing and Believing. It's a film criticism podcast. Wade is also the author of the book Failing Faith, which is available on Amazon and is just so incredible. Also, thank you to Danny Barrera for being on the podcast again and sharing her story. Thank you to Avril Levine for just... Being you. Thank you to Glendon for answering my phones and helping me with my terrible, terrible fear of these nightmarish t-shirts that will haunt me for the rest of my life. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please tell someone about it. Rate, review, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe! That helps out so much. Uh, but again, thank you to everybody. Thank you to uh, Lucky Star and Jordan Combs for the use of the songs in the episode. And Thank you to God for being there for me. Thank you to everybody. Thank you. We did it. That's the end of the show. We'll see you next time. I'm Taylor Johnson. This was the Taylor Johnson podcast. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) Wait, I wonder. Yeah, I love you.